everyone. Thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. We hope that you find encouragement today as you listen. Uh, okay, well, welcome. It's good to see all your, man, this is a big group considering how cold it is. We must be Wisconsinites, and uh, we're not intimidated by cold weather, right? And uh, uh, it was cold, though, this morning, that wind, and, uh, but it's a good place to be warm. In fact, someone said, it feels stuffy in here. Isn't that amazing to be in here? Let's see. Let me see if the temperature is eight degrees outside, and uh, we feel stuffy in here. Thank God for a warm place to gather, and uh, a lot of it's because you are so warm. You guys bring the warmth, the love of the Lord, and I've sensed that today. So, uh, Okay, so let's. Uh, this is just a, a final conversation on Money Matters. And uh, we've been looking over, uh, and I'm t- a little bit of different take on it, right? Uh, you can relax. We're not going to be taking an offering at the end of the service this morning. Uh, but uh, we are so grateful for your giving. And we'll talk a little bit about what God's doing through us next week and how we give and, and, and sow and, and all that the Lord's done in the past year. But this morning, I want to just continue the conversation. And uh, we've, um, we've talked about uh, uh, the fact that, that, that money doesn't add uh, uh, meaning to our life, but it, uh, it, it, it can be encouragement, but, uh, I, but, but it's, it's not the meaning. Okay. It can, it can bring strength to our, our life and our existence, but it's not, it's not the meaning. It's not, it's not the heart of the matter. It's not my, our focus point at the end of the day. In fact, we talked last week a little bit about it being a better servant than a master, right? Uh, that, my self-control with my financial resources determines who's in control. And uh, so that's, uh, in fact, they even gave you a challenge last week, and I did it at the end of this message, and I just want to revisit that a little bit. I, I had one phrase in there that perplexed some of the millennials, and they talked to me about it later this, or earlier in this past week. They, they challenged me. It didn't make sense now that I realize it, but let's listen to this. I said, as we seek first, because we looked at Matthew 6.33 and Jesus just saying, don't, don't be concerned. Don't have anxiety about these things. Your Father in heaven cares for you. And he says, just seek first my kingdom, not our kingdom, and his righteousness, his justice, you know, what Christ is all about as we come to understand him. And all these things that we worry about, where we're going to live, what we're going to eat, you know, who we're going to marry. It didn't say that, but that's a part of it. You know, all these concerns we have, you know, that they'll be added. And, and God will, 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 will take care of that as we seek him and seek his kingdom and his justice first. So the, the, the challenge that I, I kind of presented was uh, if we were to take a pie, you know, the pie graph, and I saw one this past week as somebody was trying to sell us a phone system um, because our phone system here maybe needs updating. It's 20 years old, and, and they showed, this, this salesman showed me that their product represents like, and they showed the little pie, the circular graph, and 19 or 20% of, of all the phone sales in America are their product. And it's like, wow, look at the color. It was like the color blue. And you go, wow, this is the company. And, and, uh, and so you look at it. They, were, they have a slice of the market. And so I kind of presented the idea last week that if you could take your financial, your financial, you could do that a lot of time through your bank accounts and it's online and all these different uh, apps that you can get. And if you just drew a circle or you looked at a circle of, you know, where your food goes and cost of rent or all these things. And then if you put in there your giving, uh, what if we trusted the Lord to increase that percentage, that slice of the pie. And, and we're looking at just going into this new year, a new decade, and looking at Easter, you know, 12 weeks ahead. What if we were just to, by faith, say, Lord, 
help me find a way to maybe increase that slice of that financial pie in my life where I could give more in the first couple of months. And just kind of saying, okay, Lord, I want to partner with you in this and just what might happen. It's really exciting when we do this. I've seen it. Debbie and I have seen it in our lives. It's pretty profound when, when, when God gives us some ideas and some directives. And I even said, you know, maybe find some place outside of the church here. We just saw CareNet here. You know, maybe you want to do a special offering for them or some other great service or ministry, Salvation Army. Man, there's so many great things in our city. Maybe you want to increase your giving here in the house. We always can do more with, with emissions dollars. It's always exciting. But this saying, what a cool concept. Just take a look at that pie graph of yours and what you give and say, Lord, in the next 12 weeks, could you help me to increase? We're going to go a little bit further this week. I got another little challenge for you. But the statement I want you to see this morning is this, that uh, we have to keep up or catch up, okay? We have to keep up or catch up. And here's my illustration, okay? Uh, some of you have grandchildren. I have grand dogs, okay? I have two dogs that come to visit. One more often, Debbie thinks it's her dog, but it's not, and that's Aikman, and he's a He's an English bulldog, and I've explained to my, my daughter, Brittany and Tim, who own the dog, that those dogs were bred to fight bulls in the ring. Well, they said, well, I think they were bred to take care of children. Well, if you looked at Aikman, he said, yeah, it's probably what he was, because he's, he's, he, he does better warming couches than fighting bulls, but there's no bulls in the neighborhood. But they looked it up, and it's actually their jaws, you know, it's kind of sad, pit bulls. American bulldogs, English bull, they would latch on to the snout of the bull and wouldn't let go. Um, even, I think, after the dog was, you know, the bull beat the dog to death. It doesn't, you know, it latched on. And so bulldogs, all right, that's a little history of dog breedery. Okay, now, the other dog uh, is, is Nala, and, and that's the other grand dog we have. Now, Nala was, was, uh, was, was bred to herd sheep and cattle. And what's she, an Australian, what's, what do we call uh, a blue healer, and she's not too far removed from her calling because Nala, uh, she basically herds everything. She will herd Aikman when Aikman's over. She will herd you if you get out of the car to visit. Nala will herd squirrels in the backyard. Squirrel! And she's off. And, and, and I made, I've made mistakes when I've kept uh, Nala uh, to, to let Nala out, thinking she just needs to go to the bathroom in the backyard. And she sees rabbit. And now five, six, seven houses later, Nala's still running, trying to herd up not just one, but all the rabbits in the neighborhood. And she's good. And so Brianna's done an amazing job uh, with my grand dog. And uh, Nala is doing so much better now. She was young when she got it, and now she's so obedient. Man, if, but if you have a little one of those little ball throwers and you just walk outside, Nala will not leave your side. She's just waiting. She will play catch for like all day. I mean, literally, she will not stop, and, uh, and, uh, and she's a cool dog. But the difference I want you to see here, this uh, illustration, both dogs, you know, need a leash if we want to take them for a walk. Now, arguably... Aikman, you could just say, would you stay here? And he, he's very submissive. But for sure, Nala, because she's going to see things and she's going to want to herd them, right? But when you take them for a walk, you need to put a leash on them. And they're easier to keep up with than they are to catch up with. And I found that true with Nala back in the early days. I mean, I'm out in the neighborhood at 12 o'clock at night, or she got me to it, and I'm, I'm searching for Nala, and she usually comes back, but, uh, and again, she's gotten better, but you get the idea, 
you put a leash on that. And that's what I want to talk about for a little bit this morning, uh, that that's the way it is with our money. Our money is easy to keep up with, uh, but, uh, but and, and if, if we stay on top of it, all right, if we, if we stay in control, but it's difficult to catch up with if we let it loose. If you let it loose, it's kind of it's kind of crazy, and, and, and it'll get out of control. Look out if we let it loose. Our money needs a leash, and we call this money management. We call it budgeting. The, my, my daughters say that's like the ugly B word because I say, have you done your budget? Are you thinking about a budget? And they oh, dad's going to use the B word, and I'm sure they figured that out. The older we get, we realize that we need it. It's just tracking where your dollars are going. Every dollar that you and I have and we see, we, we, it, it has an assignment somewhere. We'll talk about that here in a second, okay? But uh, putting a leash on it, or, or in modern vernacular, you don't want your money to go nala on you, okay? So <laughs> I just couldn't resist that. Uh, just kidding. She, again, she's doing much better. But uh, just imagine me at 2 in the morning in the dark saying, now trying to whistle and, and the dog's six doors down. So you don't want your money to do that, all right? Get a leash on it, okay? So, all right, now I'm going to get personal, but not real personal. This is how you track money. This is basic. This is like Dave Ramsey 101, okay? You start with your monthly income. I call this dollar destination. All right. Take notes on this or don't take notes on this. If you don't, you're going you're, you're gonna to need a leash sooner or later. This is the leash that I use in my life. My first thing that I see, now I, imagine, write a number in across the top there, monthly income, and then begin to subtract. And I always like to, Debbie and I like to take the first of what we make and, and sew it back into the kingdom. And we'll talk about that. But savings, you need an emergency fund. Uh, you need a retirement fund. Guess what? Uh, Social security is not going to be sufficient for you. It'll help, but uh, so you plan on, on, on investing and, uh, and, and here at daycare, we've started a program here through, through Thrivent where all of our staff are able to start, uh, is it a 401? I think that's it. 403B. Okay, so this is, this is, this is uh, just a practical sense. For me, you guys don't have this. It gets taken out of your check. I'm self-employed, so I get to pay all of my Social Security in every check. That means you're getting 7.5%. I get to pay 15.5%. Yay! So I have to plan that. I have to budget that. I have to put that in. You don't. It, your employer takes care of it. It comes out of your paycheck, probably. Uh, federal. Food and groceries. Of course, property if you own a house. Okay? Food and groceries. Groceries, eating out, don't have to eat out. Sometimes we do, but you know the difference in eating out and eating at home, okay? Budgeting these things. Mortgage or rent, where do you, you have to live somewhere? I'm kind of putting these things in the areas of importance. You got to have a place to rest. You have to have a bed at night and a place to be warm, right? Utilities. Uh, if you own, oftentimes it's gas, electric, it's water bills that come every month, it's phone bills, it's, it's internet and cable. Some of these things are needed, some of these are essentials, some of them are non-essentials. But you look at that, this is budget, insurance, health, auto, right? If you own a car, a uh, home, life insurance. Hey, if you're young, I really encourage you to go out and buy yourself a term life, all right? Uh, for about 20 bucks a month, you probably can get about a million dollars on your life. And if you drop dead, you know, uh, get hit by a bus out here, God forbid, we don't want to talk that way. But your wife, your spouse, your husband will probably get a million dollars through a term life. I'm Kidding, probably not, but you could easily. As the younger you are, the cheaper they are. Tie, uh, do that, and, and uh, it's cheap, and then you can 
find other ways to invest. Practical money sense, okay? Why are we talking about this on, sun, on Sunday morning? Probably some of you need to hear it, okay? Uh, auto, uh, again, payment. You, maybe you have an auto payment. Don't, oh, go back. Don't drive, uh, don't drive new cars if you don't have to, uh, especially if you've got to make your money and squeeze it out, but that's just my personal opinion. You've got to have maintenance on those things. You have to have gas, household supplies. I call it our Walmart account because, uh, because it's everything you can imagine from hair care to tooth care to uh, uh, all kinds of things. And you could have a, a clothing account. I don't have that in there. Blow money. Here's the thing. When you start laying out all these numbers, somebody in the family, the other, probably your spouse is going to go, if you're acting really nerdy, they're going to get really freaked out and go, I'm feeling strangled by this budget. So then create a place for you to have fun. Uh, maybe it's a recreation thing or, or just some, some fun money. And so establish that in your budget. And, and there's, there's gifts at Christmas and birthdays and graduations. And there's, and there's vacations that you may want to have once a year or every other year, depending on where you're at in your life and if you're living paycheck to paycheck. And it doesn't matter. But here's the thing. Your money and what this budget would look like is you maybe start out, let's just say you start out with $1,000 a week. By the time you've assigned all those dollars, the bottom should be zero because you have assigned it to some kind of an account and you fortified that budget and then you can track that budget. That's what, that's what keeping up is all about. It's, it's, it's tracking, it's uh, budgeting, it's managing what you have in your financial account, okay? Now, the benefits of bud budgeting or keeping track, it's controlling your income. It's easier to keep up than it is to catch up. When you've spent more money than you have, there's a credit card over here at 18 to 20 some percent saying, feed me, feed me, and it gets, it grows bigger and bigger. It's designed to do that even if you don't spend any more on it because of the interest that you're paying. And now, guess what? There are lean years in your life. Debbie and I raised three daughters. They are, uh, they are adults now, but you know, we had three daughters and we don't want their teeth to go east and west. We want them to go north and south. And so all of them had braces. I didn't have braces. I don't know if my parents cared. I mean, guys look kind of cool with teeth going left and right instead of up and down. But uh, that's not the point. The point is you, you spend you're in those years in your life where you're, you're, you're investing in your family. And then they, they, they grow up in their adulthood and they move on. And, and, and you maybe have the years aren't as lean. But during the lean years, it's good to know exactly where your dollars are going. It's, it's wonderful to be able to uh, track, um, and it brings clarity uh, in, in your life, and it's easier to catch up when you're starting to go out of control if you know exactly how your dollars are being assigned. That's a budget. That's keeping track. The lean years. I know how to pull back when things get kind of crazy. Oh, boy, we got to put some, got to spend some money on braces here. Okay, so what can we trim back on? Where can we tighten the belt? All right, financial clarity. It releases, it removes some of the stress because finances can be very stressful. And Jesus knew this, and we'll talk about this in a second. God knows this in our lives. And so uh, there's, there's a bigger plan that he wants to, I think, whisper into our souls today. But uh, we'll, we'll get there in a second. Uh, then, okay, if you have the lean years, and I'm taking this kind of from the Old Testament where, where Joseph had this dream, and it showed that Egypt's going to have some, some, some fat years store up in the barns at that point to make way for the seven years of, of lean times. And so oftentimes in our lives, as we, we get older and maybe, you know, we've been able to put away and the kids have, uh, have grown into adulthood, less overhead, uh, we have fat years. Now here's what happens when we have fat years, when we have more money uh, to work with, 
is we, it, we can become very easily self-centered. And my message last week, and it, it's a kingdom message, is we should always have a sense of open-handedness as Christ followers. We should always be ready to sow as the Lord would direct us and increase our slice of pie in the area of giving. And so if we don't know if we're not managing, if we're not keeping account and tracking in, in a sense of a budget or bringing this kind of clarity, uh, uh, we, we, we won't know how to give and we, we won't realize that we have more space and, and more room to give. Um, so there's a, there's, there's a benefit in, in keeping track. Now, here's the challenge I just want to throw before you and then we'll, we'll maybe refocus on it here in a minute as we conclude. But until Easter, next 11 weeks now, put a leash on your money. That's my challenge. If you haven't done it, if you're not a nerd like me, and I was thinking of maybe laying across the overhead, the projector, the slides this morning, what my budget looks like, but it's just, it's so nerdy that you, you wouldn't even want to listen to me anymore. I mean, I, I break everything down because I want to know exactly where I'm overspending. Uh, Debbie doesn't care. She just lets me be the nerd and she trusts me as the nerd. I mean, I had a paper out when I was like eight years old. And if I didn't collect from every house, I wasn't going to get my $15 every two weeks to deliver their door in the, their paper inside the door in, in the middle of a Minnesota winter. I don't know. I mean, that's child labor. There should have been child labor laws because that was abuse. Uh, and then, you know, you come up, I just, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to, I go on a rabbit trail here because I have some bitterness. Okay. So I was a Minneapolis Star and Tribune paper boy in Minneapolis. And, and the, my, the, my clients asked that I not just, uh, you know, nowadays they, they throw it up on, you know, in the snow on the driveway, you know, they drive by, wham, there it goes. But no, no, we had to take, open the screen door, put the paper inside, couldn't roll up in a bag. And, uh, and then, of course, snowbanks in Minnesota are like 15 feet high, so you have to climb up over the snowbank, get the paper bag on. It's 100 below zero, right? Because this is Minnesota, right? I'm just embellishing a little bit. But then, then came time, every two weeks you'd collect, and I'd go out with my little book. You had a little ticket, a little receipt, and you'd knock on the door, and you'd say, uh, for both the Sunday morning and the Monday through Saturday, delivered inside the door, uh, come wind, hail, or storm, uh, $1.90. And then they'd give me $2 and wait for me to give the dime back. I'm bitter. A 10 cent tip on two weeks of careful care. Uh, well, sometimes my dog following me did do a number in their yard, but we won't talk about that. Maybe that was, maybe, but rarely, okay? Uh, there was no leash law and, and my dog had a blast running with me up and down the blocks doing routes. But, but see, this, th I became a nerd at a young age because uh, I realized if I didn't collect everything and, and kind of crunch the numbers, uh, I wasn't getting paid for, for my hour, hour and a half, two hours or whatever it was, depending on what day of the week it was. And so I kind of like my nerd living. Uh, Debbie puts up with it. And, uh, and, and I just, I like to track and I like to know exactly where it's all going. Now listen to this. As followers of Jesus, this goes on, uh, it, it goes it goes beyond just being faithful, all right? Uh, and my challenge to you is to find, find a way to determine how much you spend. Document the dollars that you bring in and how you're assigning them. You can find helpful tools through like Cash App or I think Venmo or there's all kinds of them. You probably have a dozen that you could tell me about. And all of them are much more cutting edge than my antiquated. I, I use a spreadsheet and I enter so many numbers, my, I, I, but that's the way I'm hardwired. But study your income and adjust it if, it's, if necessary, okay? 
That's going to be a challenge. I just throw that out as a challenge. We'll come back to that in a second as we conclude, okay? But here's, the, again, I'm going to say this. As followers of Jesus, this goes beyond just being a helpful tool, tracking our number uh, and, and our income and that type of thing. And here's why. Because giving is in the very nature of the God that we serve as Christ followers. In fact, in John chapter 316, I'm just giving you the first couple of verses. For God so loved the world that he gave. His very nature is giving. His very, our whole eternity depends upon this verse and his, uh, his, his nature of giving. His gift to us was Jesus. And, and, and the continuation of that verse says, whoever believes in him, whoever places their faith in Jesus Christ will not perish, but there's actually, it opens up eternity with God, eternity in his kingdom to come, and, and life in his kingdom that's present right now, which we'll talk about. For God so loved the world. It's his very nature. And we trust our eternity in this verse. And our future depends on God's giving nature. And Jesus taught us how to pray, Our Father, right, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. But our Father, he gave us, as Jesus continuously through the Gospels gives us a revelation that he's not just far, some far off distant authoritative presence and untouchable, unrelatable uh, force in the universe, creative force, but he is our father and we can call him father. Not just that, but it also says in the, in the gospels that he knows our needs before we even ask them and that he cares for us. And then as we talked about last week, as we seek his kingdom, not mine, not yours, his righteousness, not mine, not yours, that he will supply our needs. He will care for us because he's a good, we sing it, a good, hey, you know the song. He's a good, good father. That's who, is, it, is it who I am or who you are? I don't know. Yeah, okay. You know what it is. He's good. And that's a great revelation. You know, it's easy for us to trust him. I shared this last week briefly with our health needs, right? Because I don't know. If a diagnosis comes a certain way, what, that future is, but boy, Lord, help us, help me. Uh, maybe it's a child that needs prayer and care. I don't know where that child's going to be. Maybe they, as we see Jesus talk about the prodigal, maybe they're, they've kind of wandered off into a distant land and we pray because it's that unforeseen. Uh, and I trust him with that or a job or, or a spouse or a future, this or that. But for our finances, it's a little more difficult. It's easy to trust God with unforeseen. It's, it's, it's more difficult to trust him for the things that we, uh, we, uh, that we uh, cannot control, but the things that we can control, which has to do with our finances. It's like, okay, God, well, I, I've got this. I've got this. Unless, of course, we hit a wall and we're in crisis. Money, we see, we earn, we control. And again, it's harder to trust him with it. You know, here's what the Bible says about money, all right? One in, out of 10 verses in the gospels deal with giving or finances or wealth or whatever. Did you realize that? The four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, one out of ten. I, I didn't do this. Somebody else did it. You have to trust them, okay? Uh, you can, you can, this week, you can check and see if this is accurate, all right? A Bible it devotes 500 verses on prayer. Uh, less than 500 on faith, but over 2,000 verses on money and possessions. Uh, it's important. Uh, not because God's poor, because he knows that where our, and Jesus said this, where our treasure is, there our heart will be also. You know what that means? A lot of things. Where my treasure is, my passion will be. Where my treasure is, my attention is. 
hey, let's face it, where my treasure is, I'm hanging out to make sure that it, nobody's taking it, you know? So I may, not, I may be absent in body, but in spirit, my mind throughout the day, have you ever invested in something and the stock market's going real well and, and, and you're just kind of checking through the day, how am I doing today? I don't have that capability. I don't, I ignore that, but I do try to invest for our future. But I know guys, whoa, things are going really good. And then of course, when things go bad, it's like, uh, then they're walking around in, in a state of... Um, discouragement and depression or whatever. Where our treasure is, Jesus said this, that's where your heart's going to be. And, and just part of that, he says, you know, you can't love both God and money. You've have, you have got to serve one master or the other. So he understood Christ, who's brilliant, because he's God. Even though he never asked for money, he knew what it does to us. And so he, he made it very clear, make sure you're serving God. Make sure you're seeking God's kingdom first and his righteousness. Because if you seek money first and its righteousness and, and try to let it, you know, tr let it be the source and it's the focus in your life rather than God and his kingdom, then uh, you're going to get messed up. All right. So Jesus on money, we talked about it. Uh, he never asked for it. I just love Jesus. I mean, can you believe it? I mean, I love Jesus even before I knew this. But I think it's pretty cool. I mean, he just never I mean, he just, but he talked about it in over half of his parables, nearly half of the parables, 38 parables that he spoke about. I think 16, he touches on money and possessions and, and, and relating to the, king, the kingdom of God to that parable, okay? So why is it important? Because where, again, our treasure is there, our heart will be also, all right? So the gospel of Matthew, uh, the first of the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Matthew's audience is to... He's writing more towards the Jewish believers and those coming to Christ and that, that audience there in Judaism. And he talks all the time about the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. We were in John this last fall. John never talks about the kingdom of God. He was, he was addressing to each gospel is addressed to a different audience. But Matthew gives us what the kingdom of God is all about and uh, introduces us by the, by the way, kingdom of God is not just a place where we go when we die. That is a mistake to think that. Oh, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, it's where when I breathe my last breath, now I've gone to the kingdom of God. No, the kingdom of God is Christ's presence, Christ's authority, Christ's, uh, uh, I said something else, his value system touching earth, coming to earth through Christ Jesus and specifically through the church that Jesus said, I will build in the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I will establish my called out ones. And so the kingdom of God is now, and yet it's still coming. And it's not quite yet because the king isn't here in person, but we have the kingdom. And, and this is what Jesus says concerning the kingdom. He said, the kingdom of heaven will be like, and he says in verse 20, in verse 14, look at there, I didn't, in, in chapter 25, 14, no, it's 25 verse 14. Again, he says, it will be like, it is the kingdom. Okay. If you go back a few verses, he's talking about some other, he says, the kingdom of heaven is like, and then he goes on in this part of the, of Matthew 25. And he says, again, it, the kingdom will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. Okay, so he goes into another parable, and this parable is about 
a man going on a journey. He's a wealthy man. Of course, it is, the kingdom of God is like a man. Now, in this story, and his parables always had a God figure and an us figure. And usually, as we look through Matthew, a kingdom figure, seeing this bigger picture and introducing us to a new value system, all right? Again, this kingdom is like a man, very wealthy man. In fact, um, the amount that this man invested uh, was like uh, uh, five gold, uh, uh, was it five bags of gold he gave to the first man, the second man he gave three bags, and the third man he gave one bag. So this guy has some money in this parable, in this story that Jesus is giving, um, and it wasn't the amount that they were asked to manage. It's what they did with what they were given to manage. And he gives these servants. These servants are managers. They are stewards. Another word for steward. They are managing what this very wealthy man has. And he's leaving town. He says, here you go. Five bags of gold. Three bags of gold. One bag of gold. The first guy went out with his five bags. And he got really creative. And he doubled it. 100%. He went from five to 10. And the next guy went out. His three, he doubled it. He went from three to six. The third guy who got one, dug a hole, buried the bag of gold in the ground. The master comes back after a long time, and he's going, oh, look at this. The first guy goes, fantastic, high five me, nickel, uh, I should say, uh, knuckle bump, whatever you call those, you know, fist bump. And then he says, here, take this, and you know what? You're going to be given more responsibility in my, in my kingdom, in my realm of responsibility in, in, in my world. The second guy who went from three to six, same thing. Good job. Uh, you've got a reward. Uh, and, and the third guy who was being very conservative, he buried it. Uh, he had some very choice words for him. Words like wicked and slothful and lazy, son of a gun, not quite the son of a gun part, but he said, uh, loser. No, he didn't say that either. But what he did say is you lose because, uh, in fact, he said it this way. He says, you should have put my money on, dis on deposit with the bankers. Not, oh, but notice, you should put my money. Whose money is this? This is the owner of the estate, the wealthy man in Jesus' story. Uh, you should have at least gone to the banks. And how many have gone to the banks lately? What is it, 1%? I don't know what you get. But the guy said, it's better. You're not getting 100% on your return, but even a fraction of that, right? And he said, you should have done that. As to the one I returned, I would have at least received a little bit of interest. I've been gone a long time. And you all have is dirt on top of the bag that you're handing me. How much belongs to the master? Jesus is saying, the master owns everything. Jesus is saying, this is what the kingdom of God is about. Are you ready for this? Anybody following Jesus Christ here? Don't raise your hand. I don't want to put you. But most of us here today would say, Jesus Christ is the source of my life. I am following him and his kingdom. He is my king. I'm, I'm pursuing his kingdom. And here's Jesus' teaching on this. He's saying all, and he does this several times, all of what we see, all of what we have is God's. It belongs to the king. It belongs to God. How much belongs to the servants? Zero. The kingdom of God will be like a steward, a life of stewardship, a life of managing that which God owns. It's not mine. You and I, as we follow Jesus, we get to manage what the Lord puts before us. Wow. Yeah, I, someone in the front row said that's good. The rest of you are going, oh man, where is he going with this? 
I, I have a second uncle who pastored a church in Minneapolis, and they bought a hotel, like a 14-story hotel, on Picnic, Picnicklet Avenue. And there was always, then the oil crisis came. It was oil run, and there's always financial crisis. So they would literally have Give It All Sundays, where they'd encourage their parishioners to come. And whatever you made that week, you just give it, just so that they can keep the lights going. And people did it. Um, we are not going to have a Give It All Sunday this morning, okay? But you know what? That was maybe more in line with what Jesus is teaching here about what the kingdom of heaven is like. Now, Debbie and I have practiced uh, what's called the tithe, and some say, well, the tithe is tied to the law, and I think it predates the law. Tithe literally means 10%, and we've done that all our lives, and it's really a, a joy to do that, and that's why, that's kind of my what you saw this morning is, is, is just what our budget is. And we start there because we want to just, it's a joy to say, okay, the first, what comes off the top of whatever we bring in, we just love to sew it back. It's a joy. It's, it's really cool. And we've just seen the Lord work in our lives. But I just want to, I want to give you a little, uh, a little illustration. Okay, so imagine I had $10 this morning, okay? And I just want to tithe off of that. Okay, here you go. Here's a dime for you. It's because you're in the front row there, Corinne, all right? All right, guys, let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six. All right, take six. I, I'll let you manage this, okay? You're going to steward this. <laughs> There's eight left. I need you to steward. They don't keep more than one. Now, you give those out, all right? And I want them all to be dispersed. Very good, all right? You just work on that, guys. Now, isn't that beautiful? Actually, I think the... I'm going to say something might get me in trouble with, with my wife or with all of you here this morning. What that kind of says, God, I have a dollar. Here's a dime back for you. Because it's kind of saying, I think, that the 90% is mine. And by the way, God, here's, here's that dime back. Now, I pretend I don't even have 10. I borrowed that from the petty cash. So, you guys, I got to pay a dollar back at some point, okay? There's a little FYI there. Because I, I didn't. But imagine I had the $10 in my pocket, and I had a pocket full of dimes, and I just tithed off that. I, I gave 10 dimes here to the first three. It pays to sit in the front row this morning. Very little. And that's maybe what God is saying. This idea, and, and I, again, I believe in it. I, I believe it's a great starting point. It's a great goal for some of you. It's great. But what Jesus never taught the tithe. Did you realize that? I mean, I see it throughout the Old Testament. We've talked about it. We talk about stewardship. We talk about money. Jesus, he talked about all of it belonging to God. And it's not what I, oh, okay, God, I could keep 90. Yeah, I can afford 10. Or maybe I'm only at five, maybe with two. But I can, I've gotten to 10. Yay for me. Rah, rah. But it's God saying, are you kidding? This isn't the kingdom of heaven. We were talking at Connect Group this week, Danny, and he'd heard some, he'd heard some news, and I'd kind of heard this too, and we might have to fact check this, but Rick Warren, who's written the Purpose Driven Life book, some of you go, ah, I don't like that. I like it. Doesn't matter. I'm preaching. You're not. But anyway, uh, so uh, I don't care if you like what he writes. You got your authors. I have mine. Here's my point. Uh, his book has sold so much, and what he's chosen to do in his life is first of all, live off of his book. And, the, and he, he passes the church of about 20, 30,000 people and multiple sites in, in Southern California. He's the one that started, or in his church, uh, Celebrate Recovery was established. We thank God for his, that ministry because it's affecting the body of Christ throughout the, the nation and the world. But get this. So from what we understand is 
uh, he's gotten to the point in his life where he really believes that this is how, what the kingdom of God is. It all belongs to God. And it's not so much about, oh, me giving this percent and then I'm living on the rest, but it's, God, you own the whole thing. Help me give it more and invest more of these bags of gold that's God's gold uh, for the sake of the kingdom because I want to store up in heaven. I'm, I'm looking for kingdom things, things that will transform lives. And so what we understand is he is now living, get this, on 10% and giving 90% away. And he doesn't take a salary from his church. Now, I want to fact check that, but I heard something about that myself. Now, I'll tell you this too. He's had to learn how to um, budget, keep track, because he probably gets a whole lot more than you and I if this is the number one bestseller on the New York Times list, you know, and, and you know, Winona Judd is talking about how it touches her life, this book or whatever, whoever she is, right? And so, uh, but, so th- that's a different, you know, apples and oranges. But the, the idea is, why are we stuck on, here's your dime, God, if in fact God's saying, it's all mine, let me lead you into a realm of the supernatural where one day you're living on 10 and you're sowing 90% into things that bring back investment in God's kingdom. And that's not just the local church, but the local church, your local church needs it, all right? Radical stuff, huh? Cool. Now I lost you, some of you at 10%, but come on back, we'll wrap this up. So, uh, 10% 10% is a great place and a great place to start. But in Christ, we, we belong to a different kingdom. In Christ, everything I own, I just want to reiterate this, belongs to God. And management in God's kingdom involves anything I have that could be used for God's purpose. All right? Get this. It can be time. It can be relationships. It can be possessions. It can be influence. It can be opportunities. It can be my personality. It can be the experience that God's given me. It can be money. And money's the toughest, right? You know, start talking about money. You think, Pastor Brian's going to take my wallet and just turn it upside down. We don't do that around here. We don't even have pass offering plates. They were gold-plated. Not really. They were gold-painted. And uh, we just have boxes in the bag. You know, we don't press you, do we? But I want you to know that there's, there's a call. There's a Holy Spirit call to each of our hearts. Could this be the season? Could this be the decade where you look at your life in Christ and say, it's about God. He is my source. If I seek him first, his kingdom first, his righteousness, look out, my five turned into 10, turned into 15, turned into 20, turned into 30, and then one day we'll all be little Rick Warrens running around going, wow, I'm able to give 90% of what I have and live on the rest. Wouldn't that be something? I would love that. But I can start where I'm at and you can start where you're at. And this is challenging me. This is Debbie was gone last week. Uh, were you sick? No, you had to run home after church. I'll tell on you. I know there was something going on. We were, I know, I'm in trouble. But uh, rarely does she skip out, but she had to skip out. She had a very pressing matter. Uh, and uh, so she, and, and I don't think she listened to the message, but I'm giving you up to date. I really feel like we're to, we're to increase in our, in our world in these weeks to come in, in where we give our financial pie. And so I want to practice what I, what I preach and uh, I want you all to, uh, to pray about where this message could take you personally in your relationship with the Lord, all right? So the kingdom of God will, will be like that stewardship and that, that management thing. Um, 
let's just stand. I just want to, I want to close. I'll invite the worship team to come up. Here's what's cool, though, about managing God's gold. It creates a sense of responsibility, not... Uh, it, it's not guilt. It's it's not mine in the first place, so I don't feel guilty. Oh, I didn't reach my 1% or my 10% or my 3% or my 15%. It's like, no, it's not about guilt. It's it's not about my, it's all his, and, and he just gently leads us, and it's a spirit of, oh, I get to partner with the Lord, and I get this wonderful, those stewards that, that, that went out and worked the gold, with the exception of the one that buried it, they were so excited that they could take and they could reproduce it, but they didn't have the pressure as long as they were doing something, it wasn't theirs in the first place. And it's a responsibility, not this guilt. And how many times have you heard messages on giving and sharing? Oh, I feel guilty because I'm not eating that. Put that aside and take on just this renewed understanding that this belongs to God. And God, give me wisdom. Give me strength. Give me understanding. Uh, give me insight in how to... Uh, how to uh, sow more into uh, the world around me as you uh, give me your, your gifts. And they are many for sure. Uh, so so this, is what we, this is what we need to plan. And I think I had it on the overhead there. Let's see, just go, go to that last slide. See if I put it up. I don't know if I did. Yeah. So uh, look at this. Manage and then increase. And uh, last week we talked about increasing the pie, but the fact is you're going to have to make sure you're managing it before you increase it or you're going to go into debt. So they're kind of tied together, aren't they? So my challenge, my double challenge to you is just start somewhere. Take a look at where you're giving and maybe there's a way, you know what? Maybe that cable has gotten so expensive that it's time to just cut the cord, cut the cable, and you'll probably live better and then I'll free you up to do more and to give and to give creatively as the Lord would lead you. And there's all kinds of, but you have to know exactly, you have to track exactly where your dollars are being uh, assigned, right? So that's my challenge to you. Those of you who are nerds are saying that's the best message Pastor Brian's ever spoken. Those of you who are more free spirits and you don't even like the B word, you're going, when is he going to say amen? I'm ready to get out of here right now. All right, so that's all right. Uh, you heard it, <laughs> and I believe I believe the Lord is, uh, is is showing us something today, and this can transform our lives. Lord, thank you for your goodness and your grace in our lives, and your mercy. And Lord, thank you that this this is about joy, and this is about revelation. And Jesus, you said uh, that that you love a, a joyful and a and and, and and a heartful, happy giver, uh, and uh, that that's that's what you want, Lord, is for it to come out of a heart of joyfulness. And we have been given so much, Lord. Show us where we can maybe cut the fat, uh, tighten the belt, and, and do more for your kingdom in these days ahead because we want to place our treasure in heaven. We want to place our treasure in things that transform heaven and kingdom on earth uh, so, that, uh, so that one day there'll be that greater eternal reward, Lord. We look for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, check out our website at www.ridgeway.church.